it's time for school days. Hope for moms and dads of school-aged kids. I tell parents, you're like a training wheel on a bike. Your job isn't to make the bike move. Your job is to keep the bike upright. Those of us who are the true educators, we really want to be given the opportunity to educate the whole child. Sometimes we make decisions with our kids on how we think our kids are going to feel in the first 10 minutes versus thinking about 10 months or 10 years. Oftentimes, as parents, I think we want to protect our kids, but I think one of the greatest gifts we can give them is allowing them to experience that person. Yeah. Here are your hosts. David and Danita Bailey. Good evening. Welcome to School Days Help for Moms and Dads of School Age Kids. I'm Danita Bailey. And I'm David Bailey. However, I'm not the host today. That's why I was being quiet. You're still David Bailey, though. Yes. Well, I know that. <laughs> Test. We have all taken them. Most of us dread them. But did you know that with some tests, knowing the content isn't the only thing that can help you? On certain tests, strategies can be the most important as, or just as important as being able to remember what the teacher taught you. So today we will hear from our own David Bailey, who is a veteran teacher of 12 years and who has been tutoring students for over 20 years. So David, why did you think that doing this episode was important? And just kind of tell us a little bit about your background in teaching and tutoring. Okay, so let me go back to circa 1991. There we go. A junior year, um, I was on a journey and a quest to get into the U.S. Air Force Academy. Uh, I wanted to be a pilot at the time, uh, but um, I had to get... A certain SAT score to get into the academy. Um, so I took the test and um, I got the score I needed on my reading. I mean, I'm sorry, on my math score, uh, but my reading score was just a little bit off. So um, they take the, the the top scores from all your tests. And so I said, okay, well, I'm gonna take it again. So I took the SAT for the second time and got a little bit closer to it. I think I was maybe 30 or 40 points off, which is maybe three or four questions. And I said, oh boy. Okay, so that didn't do it. So I took it again a third time. And I think on that one, I got within one question of what I needed on my reading score. Um, now, mind you, I was taking, I bought the College Board SAT book and I was going through all the, all the, you know, questions they had and the reading and all those other things. And, and, uh, to make a long story short, I took the SAT five times, y'all. Five times in high school. And I got within 10 points of the SATs. What's the average number of people, number of times people take the SAT? Uh, two. Okay. And maybe if they really want to push it, maybe three. Uh, but because they you had a that hard cutoff on the score, and my math score was fine, but it was the verbal score. And it was killing me. And so, um, so eventually... Uh, I had everything I needed to get into the Air Force Academy, but my SAT score literally had the grades, had the physical fitness test. You have to, um, but then uh, they said, well, you can't go in directly, but you can go to our when your preparatory school um, in Colorado Springs. And so I got there and uh, took the SAT. Gosh, probably took it three more times. <laughs> Wait, you're telling me you took it eight times? Uh, pretty much, yeah. Plus the ACT. And ironically, I got accepted into the Academy on my ACT score, so I never got that SAT score that I needed 
after eight times. So let's fast forward now and um, started working with kids in school. Um, and then eventually um, I was working with uh, some people um, and I started nogging, uh, coaching, and I had my first SAT client. And by then I started to study up some more on test taking strategies and how to help kids. And uh, I was working with a kid, he was a very bright young man, um, and he didn't, uh, his scores were nowhere near reflective of his potential. So we just focused mainly on strategy. And so after the first time he took the test after coaching him, his score went up 300 points. Ooh. 300 points. And I was like, whoa. I was like, wait, there's something on to here. I'm like, let me see what's going on here. And I, I looked through everything that, you know, that we were going through and seeing how it worked. And I was like, oh my gosh. Um, nobody taught me any of these things when I was coming up through high school. I was kind of just left to my own things. And a lot of things I did learn, I had to unlearn once I started coaching students. Um, and so over the years, I've coached, gosh, probably hundreds of kids by now. Um, and Not to mention you've been teaching for 12 years. How, what grades have you taught? Okay, so I've taught, uh, I've taught fourth grade, uh, uh, contained classroom. I've taught eighth grade math. I've taught sixth grade math. And now I'm teaching uh, high school math at the middle school level. Um, and so that's uh, algebra one and geometry at the middle school level. And mm -hmm. so I've worked with a, a broad range of kids and um, have we've had a lot of success with, uh, you know, because, of, you know, of course, it's because of the kids, of course, but just coaching them up and getting them ready to take tests in a way that they hadn't before. And uh, I've worked with kids who have gone through their, you know, their uh, SAT programs and ACT programs at their schools and the strategies that I'm like, some I'm going to talk about today that, you know, their teachers never, ever, ever taught them. They're like, I never do that no one ever told me these things and so um and that's not something that teachers really have time to do right is teach test taking strategies in depth yeah you know it's it's a catch 22 because you know it's the content the content the content we have to make sure they know the content which mm -hmm. is great but everyone's not a great test taker um i was never a fast test taker uh, when I was in college, I you know I went to uh, eventually uh, when I went through the University of Pittsburgh, um, I'd been in a class with you know pretty big school with maybe 500 people in the class. We take a test. I was one of the last 15 to finish the test. I've never been fast, but it's not necessarily about fast. It's about being a smart test taker. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we've seen just a lot of results over the years where you can raise your scores without even necessarily learning more material. Sometimes it's not about just studying harder. It's about take test taking smarter. And so we're going to talk about some of those things today. Right. And we're not just going to talk about standardized testing. We're going to talk about tests for for children and students that are um, in all grades. Any tests that you may have to take, there's strategies for tackling all of those. Yeah. You know, they, you know, a lot of the strategies you know, are used within the standardized test, but they just things that just on how to be a good test taker um because sometimes the, the anxiety can can really get in the way uh but there are things that uh there are strategies that can be used that can really help to benefit students no matter where you are whether you're taking st state testing coming up soon or you know your standardized test sat act um or this classroom test we're, we're gonna help you to get ready today in a way that i wish someone would have told me when i was coming up through and me too all right well 
Before we go any further, let me just say it does take a village. If you hear a great parenting tip or nugget of advice, share it with your parent friends. Facebook it, Instagram it, tweet it, link it in and add the hashtag school days show and hashtag I am school days. And also we do want you to be a part of the show. So if you have any questions or comments, give us a call at 444 maybe you want the area code for that too. 214-444-5575. Or if you're live with us on Facebook, as I see a couple people are there, um, give us a, a, give us a, drop us a question there and we'll do our very best to get to you as soon as we can. All right. Without further ado, we're going to go ahead and get started with David. I'm you've loaded. Never, you've never been our guest before. You've only just been uh, my co-host. So thank God you are a wealth of information as well. So the first thing I really want to know is what is the purpose of testing? Why do we have to, as educators, test our students? Because the government says we have to. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not joking, not joking. Um, you know, there's there's a uh, there's so many different camps on why we have to do testing. Um, one is to see what is a tangible way to measure what has been taught in the classroom. So if you're going to look at it from a micro level in the classroom, um, you take tests uh, to see, okay, we've taught A, B, and C, and we want to measure how well you know A, B, and C. Okay, so there's the classroom level. And then um, districts typically uh, have uh, the district level test. Um, to say, okay, now, uh, by this point in the year, you should know A, B, and C collectively, and we want to see how well are you doing as a campus uh, with what you should have been taught by this point in the year. So then that gives them data so they can compare how are each, how are each campuses, and how are they performing compared to another, what are the gaps, and how can we bring them up to, to level um and to see you know what's working what are best practices uh as well and then you have your state level testing uh which is you know what the test what the state says that needs to be done um so they say you have to know all these all these specific standards these basic standards that must be uh learned by the end of the year and we're going to test you on it so that you can see where you are compared to other students in the state um, and to see where the gaps are and how to improve and grow. And then there's ultimately there's national, um, there, are nas there are national tests as well, where uh, they measure how are you competing against other students across the country. Then on the big, big, biggest level is global. And so there are global tests as well, where you can compare how one country is doing versus another as well. Now that's on a, that's from a, that's an educator answer. Um, but really testing is to see how well you know just the raw facts but also not just knowing the basic facts but also how can you apply what's been taught now there are different ways to assess people uh there's a typical pencil paper test and the state test all the, the thing when you think of a test you know what you t typically think of there are as well uh but there's also a lot of different ways of, of assessing and sometimes there can be a there's been a debate about and how do we assess kids and are is testing biased or not? 
um, do certain tests um, um, bend towards a particular type of learner or a particular type of demographic? Um, but there's different ways of testing as well. And so I think the, the debate has been going on and on. Um, and now, particularly in the pandemic, there's even questions on, you know, with the, with the disparities that are happening with people that are like in, in class students versus at home students. Um, state of Texas is saying right, like right now that only in person students, their scores will count towards the scores versus at home students. And, and so there's a whole lot there. And, you know, there's data showing that students from economically disadvantaged backgrounds um, are really struggling at home right now. Um, and so there's a lot going on there, but ultimately, um, testing as a whole is to see what do you know and how can you apply what you've been taught? No matter how it looks, um, that's the ultimate goal of a test. So are, are there different test taking strategies by subject? Are you going to take a test differently with math as you, and then you would with, um, an ELA course? Um, yes and no. So depending upon, there are general strategies that are applicable to any type of test. And then there's some that are specific to what type of test you're taking as well. And so if you're doing a, um, an ELA test, there's going to be different strategies for you that will be applicable there as compared to a mathematics test. And then even within, um, even within the test though, there are, there are general strategies that can be applicable to both um, that are like, for example, like how, how to read a question. Um, that's that's very specific, but um, you have to be careful on how you read and what the question is asking, um, which is general to all different types of tests. But then within math, there's certain things you have to do within math that are gonna be different than what you do within like a reading or social studies test right, or a science test. So are there rules that you recommend for all tests across the board? There's certain things that if I'm taking a test, I know I need to do ABC. Yes. Oh, God. I'm waiting for this question. <laughs> All right. Here we go, y'all. So I want everyone who get out is, your pens and paper. Yes. Um, so everyone to close your eyes for a second and visualize a three tiered wedding cake. Okay. You have the bottom layer, which is the biggest layer. You have the intermediate layer and you have the top layer. Okay. So on the bottom layer is consider those to be um, the questions that when your child comes across them, they look at the question and they say to themselves, hmm, I know what the question is asking and I know how to answer it and I can get to the answer quickly. Okay. Those are what we call the now questions. Okay. Those mm -hmm. are questions that, are, that can be done within, um, they size it up quickly got it boom go i know i got this answer right let's go for it the intermediate layer of the cake would be the questions that look at it and say hmm i know how to get there or i mostly know how to get there but i'm gonna need a little more time to either look up and dig into the solution to it or how to solve it or where to reference it or how to justify my answer and so those questions take a little bit more time to do. It's not that they can't be done, but they're going to take more time to process. They're going to be more time consuming questions. So those are questions that I call the later questions. And then the last questions, and I think we can all say we've had those in our lives. These are what, what you look at those questions and I call them the 
questions like <laughs> I, I don't even know what this question is even asking i don't know what they're talking about and i can stare at it all day and i will never ever ever know how to answer those questions those are what we call the never questions so you have now questions later questions never questions now the way we typically, just the way our minds are wired and how we approach life is we approach it in a linear fashion, if you think about it, okay? Think of it in, in a straight line, that everything is sequential. You go from one to two to three to four to five, and this is typically how we take a test, right? Um, I'm gonna turn that on its head for a second, and I'm gonna say to eliminate that approach and think of the three-tiered cake and how we attack a question. So for example, Tip number one is this, is you only attack first the now questions, only. So the way you determine that is what I call the the 30 second rule, okay? And what that means is this, is, is your child takes a look at the question and they read it, process it, no more than 30 seconds. If after 30 seconds, they can say, I got this, then dig in. If they can't, if they're so hemming and hawing on the question or, you know, they're not quite sure what to do with it, pause in that question, mark it with an asterisk or circle or something, a box, something to indicate I got to come back to this question. Right. Because otherwise, when you get towards the end and you're out of time, you might forget. Right. So because you don't want to forget those. Um, so you make some indicator there um, and come back to it. OK, so 30 seconds max. Why? Because on any test you're always fighting against the clock, okay? Um, for example, on the ACT exam in the mathematics section, they give you 60 questions in 60 minutes, okay? That's an average of one problem per minute, but we all know that every question is not equal. Some questions are gonna take less than a minute. Some will take several minutes more than a minute. And if you're not managing your time well because you're too busy trying just to figure out how to attack the question, then time's going to be wasted, okay? So you only go through the now questions first, no matter where they are on the test. So that means you might do question one, question two, question three. You might skip four and five, do six, skip seven, do eight, nine, and 10, skip 11, 12, and 13, move on to 14. And you do that sequentially because where you're going to get the best score, listen to this, everybody, where you get the best score is with the questions that you know you can get right first, okay? Those are your gimme questions. Those are the in-the-bank questions. And I wanna make sure that every single in-the-bank question that I know I can tackle, that I get to those first, and that I give my best effort and my best time and the best portion of my mind to those questions. The problem, though, is that what happens is we the students get into the later questions and and then even the never questions and i see this a lot and particularly with advanced students is this problem pride i guess you can call it where they look at a question they say huh man this is hard <laughs> man mm, mm. But, mm, i'm gonna this test this question will not beat me and i'm gonna stick on this question until i get it right i'm not gonna move on and guess what happened clock is ticking i'm gonna solve this problem two three four five minutes on one problem where that time is spent on a problem that 
is only going to give you the same number of points as all the other questions. That time could have been better spent on maybe a, a later question or, and especially the now questions were maybe a question that would have been a now question, but because time is time is running out, that students have to rush through those questions. And that's where those careless mistakes occur because maybe they didn't read the question properly or maybe they didn't do the right calculation or they didn't think through the proper conclusion, not because they couldn't have, but because they wasted too much time on the questions that they should have punted on until later. And so what I tell my students is this, I say on those questions that are later or never questions, do you get a, do you get a double bonus for getting that question right? <laughs> and they say, well, no. I said, well, then why are you spending so much time on it? I, yeah, I know because we like to be right, but sometimes we have to let go and, and move on. Um, another illustration I gave is this. I say, okay, imagine you're in a room and there's um, $20 bills stacked on, on the table. And anyone who's had me as a coach before, you, you'll be familiar with the story. Um, and you have $20 bills on your living room, uh, on the table, on the floor, in the kitchen, all throughout the house. And then it goes out into the street that you live on, goes up the street, then it goes out onto the highway and putting $20 bills in, you know, regulated you know, distances all the way out to the highway. And I say, okay, I'm gonna give you 10 minutes to get as many uh, $20 bills as possible. What is your strategy? Where are you gonna start first? And they say, I'm gonna start with the money that's right in front of me. I said, exactly. I said, why? Because that's it's it's easy grabbing, and I get the most of it right there. Mm -hmm. I said you you wouldn't go you wouldn't bypass the twenty dollar bills in your home and on the street to go all the way out to the highway just to say I grabbed one twenty dollar bill out on the highway just to prove that you could when somebody else is going to spend more time getting the money that is there. And so the point is, you always start with the now questions, always, always, always. Then you get to the later questions. The intermediate ones after you have taken the time to do all the now questions. And then if there's time left, the never questions. Now we'll talk about this a little bit later on, but the never questions are not that you literally don't do anything with them, but you're not going to spend your precious time and your energy on those questions. Now regarding all tests, what are some other ways students make silly mistakes? Mm. Okay. So. If you are a student, I love you. If you are a parent, I love you as you love your child. Okay. One of them is simply, what is the question asking? <laughs> um, sometimes because of haste, uh, a student will think they're answering the question and they're not. I remember when I taught fourth grade and we had to do writing and um, we had a writing prompt. And it would write this beautiful essay. I mean, it was well written. It was it was great. Listen, all you writers out there, it was a beautiful essay. It was it was you know proper grammar, strong punctuation, great story. Yes, it's And then they say, "Here, Mr. Bailey." And then I I say, "Hmm, okay." I say, "Um, what was the writing prompt about?" Mm -mm -mm. And it would say, "No, describe a time when you blah 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 blah." I say, "Okay." Look at your essay. Did you answer the prompt? And then they would go, no. <laughs> and I said, okay. I said, it's, it's great. It's a great essay. But you didn't answer the question. 
Um, so you have to make sure you understand what, what the question is. Uh, and another one I, I, I always do with kids is they'll say to me, I'll come to me and say, Mr. Bell, did, I, did I do this right? And uh, I say, okay, so what did the directions tell you to do? And I do this little silly example here, but I'll say, they'll say, it said to circle the rabbits. Okay, great. <laughs> circle the rabbits. Did you circle the rabbits? Well, no. Okay, so then what do you think you need to do? Um, circle the rabbits, circle the rabbits. Right. So my point, people, is make sure your child reads the directions. Make sure you circle the rabbits. Read, circle those rabbits. If, if, that, if that's a point, just put, if, because if you can remember this, just put circle the rabbits um, is a big one. Um, another one is this, and this happens a lot in math, is will come up to me and Mr. Bailey, um, I did the calculations and I know I did them right. I know I did them right. But I can't find the answer uh-huh. in the multiple choices. <laughs> so I say, okay, so <laughs> if if the ant if your math doesn't match the four answer choices or five answer choices that are there, what does that probably mean? It probably means my answer is incorrect. I say, exactly. So guess what you have to do? You have to go back and redo the problem. But I know it's right. No, 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 no. No, go back and do it again. Then they go back with a scratched head and then they come back. Oh, okay, here it is right here. Um, Another one that happens a lot is that uh, students rush. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. I'll give a test or there'll be a test. And this happens every year with state testing. State testing. Now, we're not allowed to look at the questions per se, but, you know, we know, I've been doing this for a long time. If anyone's been a teacher for, you know, any significant amount of time, you know roughly how long it should take to take the test. And we'll start the test. We go through all the protocols we have to do. The text says we have to do. Ready, set, go. They go. 45 minutes later. Now, remember, in Texas, it's a four-hour test. Four-hour test. 45 minutes later, I'm done. Now, some of my babies, because I know them and I know that they can, they're whiz kids, I'm sure that they got it. But many times, it's um, not, that's not the case. And they just want to get done with it. They want to be done. And so I look at them crazy eyed, say, because we can't really say anything to them, but I just look at them and like, I'm looking at them with this face like, are you sure you're done? You're like, mm, okay. And then we get the test score back, and of course, it's not anywhere near what reflected their potential as well. Um, in math, because that's you know that's where I spend most of my time in the classroom at least, um, it's just careless mistakes on calculations. It's or not doing any calculations at all, mm-hmm. where they in it all the time. And and if this is your child or child, if this is you, um, I'm talking to you. I say, so how'd you get that answer? Mr. Bailey, I do mental math. <laughs> in my in my head. I say, well, I can't grade your head. And I can't figure out where your mistakes are to help you. I can't grade your head. And so you got to show me some work. Ooh, and they hate it. Ooh, they hate me. Because uh, I'm, I'm making sure they work all the time. Um, or if it's like, if it's a positive sign, it should be a negative sign. Or it's supposed to subtract and, and said they added. It's just the careless things. Or because they didn't read the question carefully, 
if it says you know um, it increased by um, there, there are particular like keywords that students need to know and word problems sometimes and if they don't read the question properly um, if it's supposed to subtract and they add or supposed to multiply and they divide it that's going to get you the wrong answer as well um, and so that is those are some of the biggest challenges that uh, I've seen a lot of um, haste uh, lack of reading um, and lack of um, just going through and doing everything all the steps that need to be done to get to success right all right so that was that was those were strategies for all tests now i'm going to focus on the different types of tests that our students may be encountering mm -hmm. so first what are strategies for taking multiple choice tests okay so i'll start with the ones that most you know, people have heard and you probably have heard over the years is this is um when you're doing a multiple choice test to make sure that um, you're eliminating question and answer that you know are obviously wrong okay um, some of them stand out like a sore thumb and you know oh there's no possible way that this is the answer okay um, then you have then you narrow it down to the ones that are left okay um, between those you have to look at the and this is where reading the questions is so important you have to look at the nuance of what the question is asking because sometimes when you have two questions that could possibly both be right, is the difference between what is a good answer and which is the best answer. Mm -hmm. And so you have to look at what are they what are they asking me for, and which one is going to better get me to what they're asking for. Sometimes they'll give an answer based upon words um, that um, were a part. Let's say it's a reading passage. And it's a word that was in 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 the story, and it was a, a legitimate word, and it proved a legitimate point. But it wasn't asking, but it wasn't directed towards the question that's asked to you. So what happens is many times students they see things that are familiar to them, and out of familiarity, <laughs> oh, I remember that I, word was there, right? That was there. <laughs> so let me pick letter C, right? And it's like, but is that what the question was asking? I know we saw it and or it could be even a fact in the store sometimes like let's say it's uh you know which which is the best whatever um and let's say that this was a statement of fact but that statement of fact may not align with the question so you have to always go back and say what is the question what is it asking me and what um which one um does it best apply to in math um you know, when you're looking at, at math questions um Test takers, this is what they do for a living. They are professional test takers, and they know the common errors that students that students make. You mean test makers? I'm sorry, did I say test takers? You did. Okay, test okay. makers. Yes, test makers. I'm sorry. So, but for test makers, they, they know what mistakes will be made. So, if it's a positive answer, it should be a negative answer. They're going to give you both answer choices because they know some people are going to they're going to make this mistake, and they are going to craft an answer to match your errors um also uh, with with uh calculators um students think that calculators are others because in texas at least you can start using calculators in eighth grade and i tell my students look calculators are a tool but not a crutch uh, because if you don't know what you're doing a calculator is not going to help you if you don't know how to use that calculator, if you don't know what the what the question is asking you to do, 
It's just a paperweight. Right, pretty much. <laughs> or because the, the output is only as good as the input you put into it. So let's say, for example, I'm, I'm in my world, uh, if you remember people, a slope, a slope can either go up or down, right? Um, if it's if the equation has a negative slope in it, which you put in a positive sign into the equation that you're trying to put into the calculator, it's not going to help you because you're putting it in wrong because you don't understand the concept. Um, so um, don't be too heavily dependent on calculators as well. And so um uh sometimes it's a better it's a nuance of uh like i said which one is better best um where are they trying to trick you does the answer align to the question and are your inputs sufficient to the outputs that you're trying to get um and also forgetting rules sometimes just forgetting the rules or principles if it's like if it's in the sciences or if it's in um, uh, you know, mat the mathematical world where, you know, there are hard mm -hmm. rules that you need to know. If you don't know the rules, if you don't know the equations, that's going to be a big, hip a big hiccup as well. Yeah. And I know sometimes test makers um, use words kind of to throw you off and you already mentioned, you know, they may grab a relevant word from a story, but they might also say, which of the following is not, you mm -hmm. need to pay attention to that word. Cause if you don't, you're going to, do the complete opposite of what the actual answer is. Yes. Um, and a lot of times, you know, at least now, well, I'm not sure if they did when we were kids, but they'll put in big letters, which one of these is not the answer. And then the first one we, that students comes across, it is the answer. They'll pick it because sometimes we can kind of brush over words and that little nuance and looking at what the question is asking is the difference between right and wrong. Right. If it says not, and you put what is, and it's wrong. If you put what's, not and they're asking what is then um this is th that could be a big challenge as well so how do we tackle multiple choice questions like with uh those that have like all of the above or none of the above is there something we should know about that um well it's two things it sometimes um they can be true and that you know, all of the above is relevant but sometimes it's not because what I call, I call those the escape hatch questions. Um, those are questions that, um, or another one that they'll put in there is it, like, for example, in math, it cannot be determined from the information given. Um, those I call those trap trap answers because I hate to say it, but a lot of times students just don't want to think. Mm -hmm. And so it's easier just to say, yep, there's all of them or nope, it's none of them. Now, it's not to say that it can't be all or it can't be none, but many times because students don't want to take the time to actually dig into the answer choices to look at the nuances, they won't do it. Or in math, I keep going back to math because that's my world a lot, but if it says it cannot be determined from the information given, that's a, I can't figure it out or I don't want to figure it out, escape hatch. Say, well, I guess I can't figure it out, so I guess there's no answer there. Or, you know, I, um, uh, I don't even know what they're talking about. So <laughs> clearly it cannot be determined, which is, is a trap. Another trap is like in math, if you see, and here, here goes, here goes a subtle one. Watch this. Listen, everybody. If you see a number in the question, it nine times out of 10 will not be the answer choice. Let's say the problem has five in it. And when the answer choices is five, don't pick it nine times out of 10. 
that will not be it's a trick because again the mind is is familiar with things and and we we see things in our head and the, the student will say oh yeah i remember reading five in the question oh there's five down there yep, yep there it is right there nope it's a trap so do not be sucked in to the trap um let me ask one, one more point i forgot to make about the multiple choices is suppose you get down to two answers and time is ticking and you are just your child is just stumped or student you're just stumped and you you just don't know like you legitimately don't know you you turned over every leaf and you've tried everything to get to the answer and you just don't know you know what you do now i'm gonna mess some people up here choose guess guess i'm gonna tell you real certain now i'm not i'm not saying this to encourage it and i'm not encouraging parents and students i'm not encouraging this i'm not uh, well, let me say real quick. So yeah, just pick, just pick one. Because if you don't know, then picking, you have a 50-50 shot. If you narrow down the ones you know are wrong and you're down to two and you just don't know and staring at it for another minute or two won't help you to get to the answer, <laughs> then just just pick one. I remember a kid uh, in middle school, uh, I went to middle school with him and he went through a test and he said after the test, he said, <laughs> he said, I went through the test and I put down abacadabra for the whole test and I got a seat. And he was pretty proud of that. Don't do that. But my point is, <laughs> <laughs> he put Abba, Abba, Kadabba, and got to see how the test. But my point is that sometimes you just have to pick. Now, that's after you've eliminated everything you need to do. But make sure that you you have you know done all you can efficiently and quickly and then move on. Okay. Strategies for open response questions. Now. Open response. One, I'm going to keep going back to make sure you're answering the question. <laughs> I keep going back to that because you can give great answers to questions that were never, ever, ever asked. Um, so one, make sure you're reading the questions. Two, listen, take some time to think through what you're going to say before you say it. Don't just read it and dive right on in. I mean, unless it's just so obvious and you're so well versed in it. Take a second to think through your thoughts. Um, I would even dare say, and this is one thing I was always battling, well, it's a battle with students is to take a second to write, 30 seconds to write an outline of which, what you're going to discuss. You're going you're gonna to write about point A, point B, and point C. And you don't have to write out full sentences, but just some trigger words so you, so you have a plan and a path to get to the end of the open response and you're answering it in a way that that sufficiently um, answers the questions. Um, also make sure you're providing supporting details, mm -hmm. um, details, details, and details. Um, I can, I can always tell when a student is pulling an answer out of, sorry, not sorry, out of their butt, or <laughs> if they have really thought through, sorry, y'all, I said, but, uh, but they've all, but they have really thought through what they're saying. And it's obvious. You can tell when people are just, just trying to, you know, dance around questions and not really get to the point because they don't know what they're talking about. Um, versus the ones that are versed, but, uh, but also just say this as well. And we'll talk about, the, about this more later, but also, um, make sure your child and students, make sure you study, study, say it with me, study. study 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 what do we study no study like prepare for the exams now that's a whole nother episode oh yeah we'll have to do them a whole that that can on be how to study on how to study but we'll just say for right now um sufficiently to say that 
you have to prepare for your test. Don't you can't just fall out of heaven and then sit down and take a test. Um, you might be able to do it now. Well, my, my baby gets all A's, great. Oh, I'm A's straight A's, great. But mark my words, a day will come when that will not happen. That's when clients start coming to Noggin Educational Coaching. My baby was a straight A student, and now they're not. Why? Oh, how much time has he been studying? Well, none. I'm like, well, there you go. And so I want to encourage you, if you don't study, to study and prepare. That's probably the, the best way is to know what you're talking about, not just hope that you know because you sat in class. And that, that's, that's insufficient. Because you sat in class. Yes. That seems so simplistic for you to say, prepare for the test. That's the best way to take a test is well, to be prepared. But yes. unfortunately, it's not a given for right. some students, yes. as we have come to find out during virtual learning right you know I'll, I'll say that i've had to uh, humble many many a student um because they came into my class thinking that because they got a's in the past that they're going to get a's in my class just because they got a's before and then i've had upset parents i've had upset students well, what do you mean i gotta be well, what do you mean i gotta see well, well how do i get this well you you took the test i graded it and this is the result that came out as a result of it and so the best way to boost it up, I remember one student, I encouraged him to study. And then his grades started to go up. Mr. Bailey, I started to study and my grades went up. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I said, go figure. Eureka. <laughs> wow, really? And, and he was so he's so excited about it, you know, um, as well. And so I, I can't say, again, we'll have to do a whole episode on that later. But um, on. Coming but just, in April. Okay, there we go. Really? I just decided it right now. Okay, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, typically when I give her an idea, it, the show won't come to fruition for about another year. But hey, this is this is one month. <laughs> listen, go listen to past episodes where I said, "Did I bring this about a year ago?" It happens all the time. Anyway, so uh, but but like studying, and there is an art to studying as well. But we, but we don't have time to hit that today. But just to say, make sure your child studies. That will help tremendously, especially with open response, where you actually have to generate something versus just circle bubble in a letter. All right, so these seem to be, or in theory, these are the easier questions. True, false questions, because, you know, you have a 50-50 chance, but are there strategies for also tackling true, false questions? Yes. One is because um, now you're going in the generalities, right? You're going in the gen, like this is um, all cats meow, Okay or all dogs bark or you know whatever it is the the statement is it's either completely true or it's completely or or if there's one here's the thing something that's false if one little component of the statement is not true or it could be true most of the time but if there are some exceptions to that truth you have to think, are there any other scenarios that could make this statement false? Okay. Or is there a nuance to this statement? You think it's false that could make it true. Mm -hmm. So you have to look at all the different angles of the question, um, of the statement. And, and then from there, um, you have to make a decision. Is it, is it always, here, here's the key. Is it a timeless, constant truth in all circumstances? In all situations, under all scenarios, um, within that particular question or topic on that particular thing, or is there a loophole out of it? And if so, 
you have to think about it because if you don't, because they, they, because again, here we go. If they know some students are not going to read the question carefully, right, and they're just going to gloss over it, and they see something that is not, uh, that could be that loophole out, but because students are going to, oh, okay, true, bam, and they move on, um, and that's where they can be tripped up. And sometimes those true false questions can be some of the hardest ones hmm. because sometimes you have to really, really think and process. And so, um, again, it's about reading, processing. Is it a timeless truth in all circumstances at all times, or is there a loophole out? Um, and is there one little word in the sentence or two that could deviate from the question that they think the most students would answer? And that's where the I gotcha is, and that's how they'll, they'll trip you up. I read that the words all, only, never, and always are almost always false. A lot of times that is the case. Um, uh, yeah, because again, those, 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 those big generalities, those big mm -hmm. swooping categories. And it's rare that when you see those, I mean, not that it doesn't happen, but a lot of times it, that's just, that's just not true. Right. So you, even though you are a mathematician and a lover of math, I are am. All, you are also a really good writer. I am. You Thank are. You. Thank you, sweetheart. <laughs> So, you know, the SA, not SAT, the STAR test here in Texas has added back in the essay because I think they took it out for a little bit. And so this year they're having to write essays with prompts. And you've talked a little bit about that. And you also, in the open answer question that I posed to you, answered this a little bit. But give us some tips other than creating an outline, because you said that, that can help make, uh, particularly, I'm thinking about our son, our junior high seventh grade son uh lord have mercy in making a or writing a good essay from a prompt what are some some things to help them to do that okay so well i'm going to share this is i've used this formula from when i got taught it i was in a summer program in high school up through getting my master's degree and i use the same formula and it worked all the time ready here we go write this down one Make sure you have a clear thesis statement. Check. Clear thesis statement. What is this? Why am I going to take the time to read this paper? What are you going to prove to me? Okay. Secondly, make sure that you have a, for each paragraph, there is a clear topic sentence that this is what this paragraph is going to discuss. And then everything underneath that topic sentence provides supporting details to defend that topic. Okay. So everything has to tie in back into the topic sentence and the topic sentence ties back into the thesis. So let's say you're writing a three point essay. Um, and, uh, the reason that, that, that blasey blahs do blasey blahs because of blasey blah. Okay. Great. Point one. And, oh, and also, or how can I say this? As we said, um, this is a simple way. Tell them what you're tell them what you're going to tell them. Tell them, and then retell them what you told them. Let me say it again. Tell them what you're going to tell them. Tell them, and then retell them what you told them, what you what you told them. So intro, thesis statement, and I'm going to prove A, B, and C. So I know I'm going to be looking for these two, three things, whatever you're going to discuss. And then paragraph one goes back to the first point in the in the intro paragraph. Um, 
This is the blah, blah, blah. Okay, great. And then you provide some important details, different quotations, different statistics, um, uh, different. Uh, everything drives back to that topic sentence. If it doesn't tie back into the topic sentence, leave it out. Okay. And then good, good, good transition words um, as well. Um, transitioning into the next sentence, into the next paragraph. Then the same thing. Topic sentence and then supporting details. Everything must support paragraph and the paragraph must support the um, the thesis statement. Okay. Um, and then the uh, details um, of the conclusion as you wrap up in conclusion. Uh, because of A, B, and C, we prove the thesis statement and then wrap it up. Okay. That's in general. Um, again, using uh, words, um, words that are um, going to elevate the story. Let's say it's a narrative. Let's say it's a, say if writing a story about tell us about his time when something happened is I told my students, I want to be able to literally close my eyes and um, experience the story. Like I want to smell the smells. I want to see the sights. I want to feel the feels. I want to um, uh, feel physically and feel emotionally. I, I want to feel like I'm literally right there with you. When you're writing a good paper, a good narrative, um, if the audience feels like they're right there with you because they can experience it with you, then that is great. Um, I, I never uh, uh, allow them to use simple words. Uh, to, I want them to, to develop their vocabulary and to expand their thought and expand how they were to explain what's going on with it. So whenever you can provide those details, also just basic, oh goodness, ba basic um, grammar, spelling, punctuation, um, all those basic things, just the rules of writing uh, are critical as well. Um, and also getting there um, in, a, in, a, in a concise way and a precise way as well. Also, rereading it, I find that our child does not go back over it. And then I'll read it out loud to him and he'll go, oh, yeah, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Or I skip some major stuff. Yes. Um, if you can, sometimes you can't, you know, out loud in the test per se, read it out loud. But if you can read it mentally or even maybe whisper it, um, I'll have students read through something. Okay. Okay. Stop. What, what did you read? Um, and they're like, that makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> I'm like, exactly. Or, or they think that they read something or what they thought they said in their head, they put on paper and they didn't like, let's say the cat jumped over the moon and they really wrote the cat jumped under the moon. Um, it's not, I'm making a simple point here, but that what the intentions of what maybe we hear in our head may not match what's being written on the paper as well. And so it's important to make sure that uh, when something is written, that it is clear and that it matches what you're really trying to convey um, as well. One of the things, the things I was concerned about was, you know, if you have a student that's not necessarily that well read, they're going to get writing prompts and they're, they're not going to be able to uh, Google or look up any quotes or look up any information about something. So how do you prepare to provide evidence to support your um, thesis if you are basically having to pull everything from your own experience in your own brain? I love y'all. I love y'all so much. I do. Reading is fundamental. <laughs> Read like a book, an actual novel, um, 
the more you have to pull from, um, the more you have to uh, pull. And, and let me preface this by saying this: uh, research-based knowledge. I don't care how you feel about it. What what's the evidence to support it? And if all now, if it's if it's asking for your personal opinion on something, that's one thing. Like you know, what do you think and why? Okay, but even then, it needs to come from uh, evidence. Okay, uh, but you have to the, the how can I say this? The more you pull from in your experiences, and next this is for adults too. Honestly, um, the more you pull from, the more you read and explore studying you know these social sciences uh looking at research looking at you know psychology or economics or history um or you know the rules of of science and math um looking at what's happened in the past looking at current research i'm not saying you got to be you know when i could a hardcore academic per se but um watching a bunch of youtube videos is not per se going to get your child what they need or, or, Ooh, here we go. I don't, I don't even put this on, on the question or not, but, uh, the language is like how you talk, like you, you, you cannot, or how you write, you cannot write the way you text. Um, you cannot write the way you post, Amen to that. um, because they're short, they're supposed to be short. And then, you know, there's all these grammatical shortcuts that people take in their thing. But when you're doing academic work, you, you have to, you have to have a base of vocabulary you have to have a base of knowledge to come from, not just based on somebody out there um, who, because because I've, I've had people say this before, well, how do you know that's true? Well, because it was on the internet. <laughs> well, just because it's on the internet doesn't make it true. And so you have to pull and be able to look at, you know, contrasting arguments. And well, so what I'm trying to say is, is we have to beef up our children's, our child's knowledge of things. Um, and not just from what they think, because otherwise they will be literally just pulling it out of their butt. And we don't want them to write essays out of their butt. We want them to write it based on knowledge and based upon facts. Right. I completely agree. And then the other thing is there is a website called, you'll have to correct me if you know what this is, the News ELA or Newslia. 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 Okay, yes. And it writes... Um, it provides essays and information, news articles about current events, and you can actually change the number of words in an article based on the age of the student so that it's more accessible to them. But it's interesting, very interesting current events that um, kids can can get a hold of and maybe just reading those one of those every day would give them a good base of knowledge to have something to pull from because you know between now and the state testing they may not have enough time to read a bunch of books they don't have time to read much books so just having the opportunity to read something that's going to be accessible to their age group might be so um, might give them just a base of information that they can use on um test essays or essays on tests yes you know i would also say like things like khan academy uh where like things that are short sweet to the point that gives you facts that you need mm -hmm. um in a quick way um i don't even know if it's even still a thing do people still use cliff notes cliff notes is that still a thing it's probably digital somehow but okay well who knows um if you can get to let's say you don't have time to read a whole novel but if you can get something to give you a summary of it and that can help you to get a you know, just a general idea of what's happening in the story that helps as well. Um, I would also caution to say that uh, be careful of your sources. 
Um, because um, the goal is to get, you know, objective, research-based facts, and and not just research, but research that is well-rounded and has tackled the hypothesis and um, the the uh, the uh, contra questions that come with it as well. So if if someone says this, but are there are there any is there any research out there that 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 disputes it, and why? Um, so just because somebody has said it and just because somebody can quote a fact doesn't necessarily mean that it is all conclusive or because they can use statistics. And I can, that's a whole other thing about people, how people twist and distort statistics to 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 uh, support their arguments when they're using the math wrong um, as well. And so um, we, we have to help our kids to learn how to think critically. Um, which is going to help them overall, which is going to boost them up as a stronger overall student academically as well. And so I just want to say that one, look at the source and look at maybe look at your own bias. Maybe, you know, what you're reading or what you're looking at is tilting and bending towards your own particular biases. Um, Are there other opposing views out there? Is there things that may uh, go against maybe uh, what they thought to be true or what you thought to be true? and to look at what else is going out there in the world as well so we can have a balanced approach and a truly academic approach to um, attacking our our content you're reminding me of all these upcoming episodes we are going to have an episode coming up about critical thinking and you just gave me an idea for an episode about fake news Ooh, <laughs> yes oh uh, checking your sources and making sure that they are accurate and reputable sources think that that's something that not only oh. kids need today but many many adults yes 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 okay a couple more questions about this um any questions on facebook or anything or any oh yeah there was questions? there was one um she wants to know if these are test taking strategies can be used in high school and college is this stuff that you know younger kids like kindergarten all the way up to a senior in college can be using yes um you know it the the like for example some of the things i'm talking about the is the level of depth and complexity um just changes as students go on uh, for example i learned how to write you know a really good solid essay in in high school i don't really i don't know how i got that far i didn't know how to write a good essay but when i finally did i used it all the way through my master's degree um and i never changed the formula and i was always crushing it on my papers um, now the, the level of complexity changed from a high school level essay to a master's degree level essay, but the approach was the same. Um, learning how to do calculations um, and follow a process. Now, whether you're in first grade or whether you're in high school, middle school, college, or whatever, um, there are there's a way to do things, and learning how to do those things is important. Um, how to you know dig into you know pulling up facts or, or or as we call, you know, like annotating your, your answers and getting, you know, justifying your answers. Um, if it's a multiple choice quest, a question, uh, where in the story or where in the essay or where in the novel did you get this from? Um, that's applicable um, all throughout, all throughout you know, the grade levels, even if you're taking a test to get into a, a graduate school program as well. Mm-hmm. So it's just a matter of where you are in the journey and then you have to you have to cater it down you know you know you don't want the you know, your you know your first grader to you know be looking at you know hardcore give like, me your textual evidence right <laughs> <laughs> you know you yeah you have to adjust it to where they are but the but the strategies are relevant um no matter where you are you just have to cater it to to their appropriate grade levels well that's so good um 
one last question. So you have ADHD, ADD. I sure do. Right. So what'd you just say? No, it's my. No, guys, wait, 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 wait. Pause, pause. <laughs> that laugh was not for what I just did, but about our marriage. That was a layered laugh. It was it, not it, layered. Well, okay, when we first got married, you'd say go out to the store and buy A, B, and C, and I come back with D, E, and F. <laughs> or A and D. Right, and forget C altogether. So, yes. anyway. No, that that was legit a funny joke. Oh, was it? Yeah, because oh, I almost fell for it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The reason why I'm asking is because... Um, there are many people, many students that are just like you. So what do you recommend for kids that tend to lose concentration concentration when testing? Okay. Um, one is that you have to make sure that you are, that you know why you're there. Okay. Um, it's a simple question, but I'm here to take this test. Okay. And I want to reflect, I wanted to truly reflect what I know. And so you have to quiet the noise around you, okay? Um, and and this is for people who, you know, whether you have AD, ADD or not, ADC or not, um, this helps, okay? So just quiet the noise around you. Um, take a calm, deep breath. Relax. Now, if you're coming all wired up, oh, you know, that that's not going to help you as well because your mind's racing, your heart's racing, everything. But just take slow, deep breaths, relax, go into the test. Another thing is this: is um, you know that you can cheat on a test without cheating on a test. Here's what I mean by that: I tell my kids to make your own cheat sheet. What so, do you mean? What I mean is this: is um, when a test begins, listen, everybody. Now, again, this is this is assuming you have done the preparation in advance when the test begins dump out everything you know about that subject about the rule about the fact about the date about the you know the calculation about the formula everything you know take a minute or two when you can you can't do it for all tests of course but whenever you can write it on the sheet now here's the key after they say you may begin <laughs> so not with your book open before, before it's exactly <laughs> exactly uh but to, that's a great idea to dump your brain so you're not having to pull it back out of a memory bank when you're taking the test if you know that you have a formula or you know you have this factor date you have to know or this main thing that your teacher said write it down they can't tell you that you can't write that stuff down before the test begins because no, you it's can't before but you mean after well yeah after right because it's coming from <laughs> see that's add coming see because it's coming from your own head they they can't penalize you for it coming from your head after the test has begun that's mind-blowing so if you know it write that's it so down good. yeah just write write it down as well so now oh yeah what's up from? oh i already wrote it up here okay they pull down to where you need and then and then use it um to to go through the test as well um Again, and because, okay, here we go, and my wife can attest to this, people with ADD um, have struggles with managing time. Managing time management is a big issue with us. So um, you have to go for what you know first. Again, going back to, to the three-tiered cake, you go th through the now questions first so that you don't lose, you don't want to leave money on the table um, or leave you know, fruit hanging on the tree, per se. Uh, then go to those later questions and never otherwise because of what we have it's called hyper focus that's where we just can't let stuff go 
um and i've done that on stuff that i had no business doing that on <laughs> this was a marriage laugh that i'm doing yes. right now <laughs> hey, hey, hey why am i laughing anymore <laughs> uh, but hyper focus means i'm gonna i'm gonna figure this out sometimes it's a good thing at the right time but sometimes it can be to our detriment and so sometimes you just gotta i, I call it elsa let it go you have to elsa it or pause on it and move on because otherwise you're going to spend too much time on some questions and leave points on the table that you could have really you know done really well on later on but you didn't because you're spending too much time on one question and so remember this word everybody elsa let it go move on and when you can come back to it all right you know what else we're gonna have to let go Mm-mm. this episode i feel like this is just i feel like this is just we're gonna take a commercial break and come back for part two i'm so loaded <laughs> i've I, Mm, I'm so loaded. Yes, this has been very good information. We are out of time, though. Okay. Fine. Unfortunately. But thank you so much for joining me, my husband, and my co-host, David Bailey. This is you. This has been very impressive, actually. Well, thank you. You never you. cease to impress me. You are you are a really excellent ex- educator. Thank you, baby. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, maybe at some point in April, like you promised, <clears throat> we'll come back and do one on studying. Yeah, we will, actually. Yes. And um, for hold, those Hold her you... to it, people. Hold my wife to this. Right. Not April of 2022. April of 2020. Sure. Send me an yes. email at info at <laughs> And uh-huh. if you want to find out more about these strategies in detail and specifically to whatever your needs are... Um, you can email me at david at noggineducation.com, N-O-G-G-I-N education.com. We can discuss, you know, what your specific needs are and then how to craft a plan and how to, how to get you there. Yeah. Super quick. Talk about what you do with Noggin Educational Coaching. Yeah. So um, we have, actually, this was the original uh, branch of Noggin um, is uh, will help to identify um, every child does not learn the same way. Okay? And that's called differentiated learning. Um, and so what we do is we custom craft plans on how to attack studying, how to attack uh, schoolwork based upon how your child uniquely learns. So we go through some inventories and questionnaires to kind of figure out what, what your child's learning DNA is. Then we create a plan of attack on, on how to address all the academic uh um, areas that you would like to attack. We also do test prep, so SAT, um, ACT, um, or if, if you're getting into private schools, the uh, IC exam as well, um, and, and or, or state testing, no matter what, what the state is. And, and because we're virtual, uh, we can coach anywhere uh, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area to anywhere in Texas, to anywhere across the, across the country and anywhere around the world. If you're listening in different, different countries as well, uh, we can help as well. And so uh, if you want to find out more about what we do, you can go to uh, my website, which is noggineducation.com. That's N-O-G-G-I-N education.com. All right. Well, thank you again. This is very, very helpful information. You're welcome. (laughs) So Noggin Educational Foundation, foundation, not coaching, is the premier sponsor of School Days. So we always want to let you guys know what's happening with Noggin. 
So we are currently taking applications for two of our programs. Noggin offers 12 hours of free private tutoring to students through our educational coaching program. Also through our ARD advocacy program, parents receive support in securing services and accommodations their kids need at school for learning disabilities and special needs. With the closure of schools and distance learning, the education gap for low-income students has widened and the one-on-one -on -one intervention we provide is vital. See our website, nogginfoundation.org or email me at donita, D-O-N-E-D-A, at nogginfoundation.org for more details. And don't miss our show in two weeks on March 23rd. David and I will sit down with Jennifer Folkenroth, who is the National Senior Director of... Huh? That's in one week? Today, today's the 16th, yes. It's next week? 23rd next week, yes. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry, sorry. Well, I better get ready. <laughs> get busy. <laughs> like, hey, where's the show this week? <laughs> oh, my bad. Okay, sorry, it's okay. Okay, I'm back. So I'm done. <laughs> I would have figured it out eventually. <laughs> so don't miss our you show. You can mute me in... now. You, you can mute. I can mute you yeah, again? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Don't miss our show in one week on March 23rd. David and I will sit down with Jennifer Folkenroth, National Senior Director of Tobacco Programs for the American Lung Association, and Dr. Matthew Gibbons, who's the Chief Executive Director of Student Services for Richardson Independent School District in North Texas. And they'll talk to us about youth vaping. More than 3.6 million U.S. youth are vaping. And this has caused the Surgeon General to declare youth vaping an epidemic. We will discuss the problems schools are facing and how districts are mobilizing to address the issue with their students. So don't forget to tell your parent friends about that one. And as always, head to our website, schooldaysshow.com for more information about all that we're doing and the resources mentioned on School Days. And remember, you don't ever have to miss a show. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Audible, and pretty much anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Noggin Foundation. That's N-O-G-G-I-N. And last but not least, David and I always want to end the show by saying that we are parenting by grace. We depend on God to give us the strength and wisdom that we need to help our kids grow into flourishing adults. And if you'd like to know more about that, please feel free to email me at info at school days to show.com. Have a great week and stay safe. School Dazed is sponsored by Noggin Educational Foundation. At Noggin, we provide free educational resources to students from low-income families and support to their parents like the preceding broadcast. School Days is made possible by the generosity of listeners just like you. Please consider donating to Noggin at Noggin, N-O-G-G-I-N, foundation.org.